This is the Beat Generation, a look at music throughout the years that changed our world, from the original beat poets of the 50s through to the musicians of the 60s until today. They've become known for their influence on music that has shaped the soundtrack of our lives, simply known as the Beat Generation. Welcome to Season 2 of The Beat Generation, produced in association with Bad Boys Media, Townsville's Triple TFM and the Community Broadcast Association of Australia. The show got its name from the 50s and 60s writers that inspired so many musicians and each week we'll take a look into music and the artists throughout the years that have changed the face of the musical landscape. A full song listing can be found at our Facebook page, forward slash music that changed the world and make sure you check out our Instagram page, the Beat Generation podcast. And a podcast of this show and past episodes can be found on Apple and Spotify, along with some of our other shows, including The Bad Boys and Secret Men's Business. Check out our shows, and if you like what you hear, then leave a review. So sit back, put your headphones on, crank up the dial, and journey with us this week as we take a look at the early years of one of the great prog rock bands and their lead singer, Yes and John Anderson. I'm Shane Bryan. And this is The Beat Generation. Well, to really dive deep into the music of Yes would take many shows and likewise to really look at the music of John Anderson as well. Today's episode is a very light introduction into the 70s incarnation of Yes, particularly from the viewpoint of John Anderson and his spiritual and musical influence. I'd encourage everyone to take a listen to this band who has gone down in history as one of the best prog rock bands of all time. It was 1968 and a little band called Yes started performing songs that were mainly rearranged covers of rock, pop, blues and jazz tracks. But that all changed when they attended a gig by prog rock luminaries King Crimson. This was a band that had it together and Yes realised that they needed to be more proficient, tighter and more defined in their sound. Their debut album, Yes, was a mix of original songs and renditions of The Beatles' Every Little Thing and The Birds' I See You. The album did nothing, though. Melody Maker claimed that Yes were a band to watch, even though the album didn't succeed. The next album, Time and a Word, charted at number 45, but it was the title song that got the band searching for the formula. The free thought, the deep underlying storytelling laced with an equally deep spirituality that they eventually found a year later with the Yes album in 1971 and a lineup that included John Anderson, Chris Squire, Peter Banks, who was replaced midway by Steve Howe, Tony Kay, and Bill Bruford. And that's where we begin today's episode of The Beat Generation with a look at Yes and also a chat with the lead singer John Anderson. Here is Time and a Word. 1970. In the morning when you rise, do you open up your eyes, see what I see? Do you see the same things every day? Do you think of a way to start the day? Getting things in proportion, spread the news. Time that will help us get it together again. Have you heard of the word that will stop us going wrong? 
time that will help us get it together again. Have you heard of the word that will stop us going wrong? Well, that was time and a word from Yes. I spoke with John Anderson recently about his life in the band and his many solo projects. And I have to say, it's difficult to discuss the band and his solo work without diving into a discussion with John about his spirituality because the themes flowing through most of the music have been greatly influenced by John's belief, even to the point of John bringing his guru on stage at the Yes event. So the conversation does dive a little bit deep at times, but then that is really what progressive rock is all about. The telling of story and the expressing of ideas. That's why progressive rock was started in the first place. So John, welcome to the Beat Generation. Hey, well, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. So John, we've just listened to Time and a Word, which has underlying themes of spirituality. It's interesting to track your growth as an artist and your underlying belief, especially as a solo artist, which we'll look at a little bit deeper in the second half of the show. When did you notice that it was having a big influence on what you were writing? I think it came to me pretty early on. Um, You know, when you have a situation where I was in a band called Yes, Hmm. and it's an affirmative word, very (laughs) strong, and I was singing those early songs with Yes, and uh, a lot of them were free thinking, free word explanations of things that I was thinking about. Mm. And why does the spirit move you in music? Why does music do this to to a person? Mm. 
and and uh, especially those first two or three albums, you, you go through these experimental uh, state of consciousness lyrics that you, you're trying to say something, and uh, you're trying to get it into your song, and 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 uh, eventually you realize you're on this sort of uh, musical path, which is a little bit different than the the norm in terms of lyric writing, shall we say. Mm. So you have this feeling that I was reading books at that time, at the beginning of the 70s, I was reading these books which were really about enlightenment. And uh, I think it stems from All You Need Is Love, the song that uh, the Beatles did, you know, John Lennon. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that came from Krishna, Mm -hmm. Rama Krishna, he said, All You Need Is Love, Many, many, many moons ago. Yeah. And they brought it into this song. And I always kept thinking, that's true. Love is everything. Why do religions get in the way of love and light? The light was coming through in a sense, in my mind. So I would, I would sing about the light yes. and start believing in the light. But there was this divine energy that we are all supposed to gravitate to and in any form, because as they say, many rivers, all the rivers meet the ocean. Mm. So many paths get to the divine energy that we call God, and it's always baffled me as a, as a child, what is God, is he watching me now, what am I doing, and so on like that. Yeah. And it was always like the Holy Ghost, and that kind of freaked me out as, as a kid, you know. So when you're growing up, you, you tend to want to find a true... Um, reason for what you're doing. And of course, when you get success, it's the last thing you think of, you're going to be successful. We start, yes, because we want to be in a band that's doing great things. And I always said at that time, there's a band called Family uh, from Birmingham, and they were pretty big in London. I just wanted to be as big as them, Mm. you know, as well received, if you like. The theme of God and time and love all continued on into the Yes album, their big breakthrough. The two big songs were true progressive rock in style. I've seen all good people and, of course, Starship Trooper, which combined all of the elements we just spoke about. And the first part of the song, Life Seeker, refers to the point within yourself that knows you, which Anderson and many others call God. The lyrics accept the fact that no matter how much you want to get clearer visions of what you're up to, you're only going to get a certain amount. So let's take a listen to the classic Yes song from 1971, Starship Trooper. This is The Beat Generation. 1971.
Well, success started pouring in for Yes, and in 1972, the final members of the classic lineup had joined Rick Wakeman in 71 and Alan White in 72. The band were riding high in the prog rock scene, writing and performing songs that took up a whole side of an LP, a massive US tour, and it also had Anderson questioning why. But in time, we started to reach out and perform in America in front of lots of people and eventually started thinking, why me? You know, why, why am I getting this gift mm. of uh, success? Um, even stardom, that <laughs> kind of rock star thing, you know. Yeah. And you go through it saying, well, it's not real. It, it's, you know, I know who I am. And it's, it's, it's not, and, and I was never into the, 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 maybe for 10 minutes, I thought I was a great rock star. But yeah. the, the feeling on tour was, what am, what am I doing here? Why, why am I alive? And I started reading Herman Hess. Right. And Journey to the East. And these books that are very explicit about there is a continuation of energies that surround us and it's all linked to all religions. So you start to think about it, you start to think about it on a daily basis so it becomes part of your psyche Mm -hmm. on a daily basis and then you start thinking, okay, I've got to start to meditate. I must learn to meditate. And of course, it's as though each individual has that potential to learn to meditate. And it's a question, it's like deep mm-hmm. prayer, that's what it is. And meditation is something that comes to people if they want it. And, and uh, that's what I started doing. Mm. <laughs> Learning each day and each, each year how to grow both musically and spiritually and lyrically at the same time. And I'm still growing. Look, maybe it was inspired by the US tour and what they saw, but in 1972 the band released their own version of the Simon and Garfunkel classic, America. And although it was originally 10 minutes long, this edited version hit the Billboard charts. This is Yes and America, and you're listening to The Beat Generation. 1972 Let us be lovers, we'll marry our fortunes together Some real estate here in my bag So I put a pack of cigarettes On Mrs. Wagner's eyes Laughing on the bus 
playing games with her faces. She said the man in the gabardine suit was a spy. I said, be careful, his bow tie is really a camera. Well, that was America. We'll be back with more from Yes and John Anderson right after the break. This is The Beat Generation. Hi, this is Shane. And Andrew from The Bad Boys. If you're after quality, hard-hitting journalism that matches four corners... News that'll keep the government and the people accountable for their actions... And current affairs that's more reliable than, well, a current affair... Then then that's that's not us. us. Bad Boys Unleashed. Music. Entertainment. Celebrity interviews. And the only original Bad Boys news that makes 60 Minutes sound like the Muppets. Join me, him and bad girl Angie for the conversation that no one wants to have, but everybody wants to hear. Bad Boys Unleashed. Subscribe for free on Apple and Spotify. This is The Beat Generation, a look at music throughout the years that changed our world, from the original beat poets of the 50s through to the musicians of the 60s until today. They've become known for their influence on music that has shaped the soundtrack of our lives, simply known as The Beat Generation. Welcome back to The Beat Generation, produced in association with Bad Boys Media, Townsville's Triple TFM and the Community Broadcast Association of Australia. I'm Shane Bryan. Thanks for joining us for our look at the iconic prog rock band Yes 
and the early days of their lead singer, John Anderson. Now make sure you check out our Facebook page, Music That Changed the World, and our Instagram page, The Beat Generation Podcast. Next week we will continue our look at John Anderson, explore his music of recent times, as well as the 80s lineup of Yes. That's coming up next week on The Beat Generation. Well, by the mid-70s, Yes was riding the prog rock wave with tours, massive albums done their own way, and in 1975-76, each of the band members released their own solo album, which had an interesting effect. The 1976 tour with Peter Frampton was some of the band's most attended shows. Anderson's solo offering was a concept album in which an alien race journeyed to a new world after the destruction of their own. Elias of Sunhillow may as well have been a Yes album with most of the band members contributing. The album was ahead of its time and it is still held in high acclaim. Let's take a listen to the song Dance of Reinhardt, which finishes with Elias to build the Moonglade. This is The Beat Generation. 1976 
Well, it wasn't exactly the Missing Yes album, but it certainly was a distant cousin. Plus, it brought to life the artwork of a man who is considered the fifth Beatle, so to speak, the unofficial Yes band member, Roger Dean, who did many of the album covers and set designs. The Elias artwork became a focal point. In fact, it would be safe to say that the album sounds like the artwork came to life. Now, I asked John Anderson about the rumour that a sequel to the classic album was in the works. Yeah, and uh, my son Damien, 10 years ago, said, Dad, it's about time. So for the last 10 years, I've been building this uh, project on such a level that it is... is it's blowing my mind at the trying to make it work because I know I know how it looks, how it sounds, how it is. It's uh, probably five hours long at the moment, but it's not something you're going to listen to all the time. It's something that you listen to, and because of modern technology, I'm very interested in creating a, a sort of an app mm. that you can actually go in and visualize at your will. Mm. When you want to hear certain things, you can hear certain things. When you want to watch certain things, you can do. Mm. Uh, there is special uh, adventure um, sort of uh, work which relates to... See, the, the initiation of the world was something that I read years and years ago by Beer Stanley Alder. Mm. And uh, what came through was uh, how the consciousness of the world was actually evolved through what we call music, but it's, it's more than music. It's the, the finite uh, properties of, uh, of, of high energy that create molecules and so on and so on and so on and so on. And, so on. Mm-hmm. and then you create... The world has these incredible ley lines all over it. I don't know if you know much about ley lines. I do, yes. Right. Well, the idea is, in my mind, how were they built, why were they built, and who by? And, of course, mm. I have this whole concept of how it was done, and, and uh, that's the, it's called the Zamran experience. Uh, Zamran is the word of uh, Elias, the son of Zamran, the son of Elias. Mm-hmm. That, my son said, come on, you've got to have the son of Elias. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I wrote down a sketch of an idea, and I've been working on it sort of simultaneously with a lot of other things. But there it is. It's re- and I was working on it this morning. Uh, wow. That there is something that I've got to figure out, finish, and it has a lot to do with virtual reality yep. systems. And it's started, as I said, 10 years ago when I went, 12 years ago, when I went to see this guy in San Francisco who was one of the sort of builders of virtual reality systems, mm-hmm. and I tried it out. I couldn't believe what was happening. And now you get it for Christmas, you know, everybody. And uh, so, the, yeah, the time is coming for the work that I've been working on to be visualized and seen in the concept that I originally planned in my head way, way back, but it's something to do with the initiation of Earth, why these ray lines work, what the part of our being, why did we build cathedrals on them, mm-hmm. why did we build sacred places on them all over the world, and sacred sites around the world and so on. So it's like a very 
a very, uh, I call it a library of information that I'm still mm. learning about. So I'm trying to put it to music, of course, and uh, it's a lot of fun and drives me crazy. Anderson's influence continued to be felt throughout the music that Yes released as the 70s drew to a close, along with the first stage of the band. In 1977, the album Going For The One was released, and this song was a standout in terms of Anderson's style. Wondrous Stories has been described by John as written about one of those days that you want to remember for years afterwards. Describing the joys of life, Wondrous Stories on the Beat Generation. 1977.
Well, in 1980, Yes released an album called Drama, foreshadowing the split that was to occur a year later. Considered the closest to the classic Yes sound in ages, the album was also littered with 80s pop influences thanks to the input of Trevor Horn. Having had success with Video Killed the Radio Star as one half of the Buggles, Horn was introduced to the band through a joint manager, Brian Lane. Let's take a listen to Run Through the Light. We'll be back to finish our look at the early years of Yes and John Anderson. 1980.
That was Into the Lens, I Am a Camera from Drama. Well, yes, two of the Drama album in the US and the UK, and the music was so different that the audience reaction was ranging from booing and hissing to outright anger. The band was over. 
Anderson pursued his solo career, Alan Howe and Jeff Downs formed Asia, and Horn began producing bands like Asia, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Seal. He formed an interesting band called Art of Noise. And in 1994, he won a Grammy for Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Anderson, however, reunited with Vangelis, who at one time was considered to replace Rick Wakeman. Their album Friends of Mr. Cairo, a nod to Peter Law's character in the Maltese Falcon, was released under the moniker John and Vangelis, and they scored a number one single in Canada with the title track. But it was the single I'll Find My Way Home that became a massive hit for the duo. It was a perfect way to round out the decade. Well, next week we'll take a look at the new version of Yes that had a massive hit with Owner of a Lonely Heart, John Anderson's animation album, and some more recent collaborations John had with Roni Stolt from The Flower Kings. That's all coming up next week, but to take us out this week, the classic song by John and Vangelis, I'll Find My Way Home. I'm Shane Bryan, and this has been The Beat Generation. 1981. You ask me where to begin. Am I so lost in my sin? Secretly